0: This podcast is brought to you in part by Creative Live. Creative Live is an online learning platform featuring classes taught by industry leaders such as Nier IL and Alex Bloomberg. Go to creativelive.com forward slash rocket and find some of our favorite classes, buy them, and get 30% off. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Matt
1: Goldman. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Today we talked with Nick DiSabato, the creator of Draft.nu and author of Cadence and Slang. Really, really interesting episode. I'm curious what you guys thought.
2: Yeah, Nick's offering a set of services that have evolved over the past couple of years. And it's interesting to see how he's uh, put together this suite, basically, really focused on value and how he selects the the few clients that he works with. He said he turns down a majority of the people that reach out to him because his offering is very focused. What would you think? Yeah, it was interesting
0: to hear about some of the A-B test results that he's gotten um, and, and kind of how he approaches A-B testing in general to make sure that you're actually getting the stats that you need to make an informed decision. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it.
1: Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready
0: financial statements
1: from professional bookkeepers.
0: Let Bench handle your bookkeeping so you don't have to.
1: Go to Bench.co forward slash RocketShip to get 20% off. 20%
0: off your first six months today. Today. <laughs> so, Nick, welcome.
2: Hi, how's it going?
0: Good. Thank you so much for, for coming on. We're really excited to have you here.
2: Yeah, I'm super happy to be here.
0: So your story kind of starts out as a you're freelancing, you're going project to project, and then you decided to productize. Tell me a bit about how that process was for you.
2: At the very beginning, I uh, just just wondering how to sell a retainer. Like I wanted something where I could uh, sell it on a consistent and repeatable fashion with somebody, make an open ended engagement, and still do design for them and. I started out by kind of writing down everything that I did that I thought could be repeatable for a client. Um, And uh, A-B testing fell within that. Uh, It was also, you know, I could do wireframes, but they're kind of a holistic package. It felt weird to like put together wireframes or IA or strategy and be like, stay tuned for next month when you get four more pages. Um, They're kind of part of a consistent thing. Mm. I could do analytics, uh, but Google Analytics has such bad UX that I would probably hate doing that every day Uh, I could do a lot of strategy for somebody uh, but I don't think I had quite the pedigree two and a half years ago to to go ahead and uh, sell a retainer on that Um, A-B testing seemed like something that I could break into very easily and use it to vet design decisions very effectively. And it's something that effectively has no end. You keep optimizing and then you find other opportunities and um, you keep finding ways to keep that conversation open. There's one client I've had since the beginning uh, and they've been with me for uh, I think 28, 29 months now and um, doing great work for them still. Been really grateful they went through a redesign a year ago Um, And so I I thought about all these things, figured out what was repeatable, figured out what expensive problems I can solve for the client. If I can um, get to a place where I'm able to make money for a client and solve a significant pain for them, then I'm in a very, very good spot for what I'm offering. So I put this together, and uh, it's been sold out since. It's, uh, generally, a slot will not go open for more than two weeks at a given time, uh, and uh, I'm completely booked up now. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's solved a lot of problems with revenue and cash flow in my business. Uh, it's, last year, it com- comprised about 85% of my business drafts income, uh, and uh, this year, it stands to make roughly about as much money and yeah it's uh it's i, I want to i don't want to say it's solved the money problem fully but it's it's definitely made me negotiate more from a position of abundance uh, i don't have to worry about where my next check comes from it's definitely solved the feast or famine issues that come about in a typical freelance business
1: so i want to dig in a little bit to the ab testing cuz i'm sure you've learned a ton um over the past couple years doing that And it's something where, like, we've all read those articles that are like, I changed my button to blue and I made a million dollars, you know? Yeah. And it's actually, it can be kind of paralyzing um, when you're trying to make some early decisions. And I'm curious what you've learned that is like the really impactful stuff. Like, what surprised you in these iterations with some of your clients that are the things that really move the dial?
2: There was a button color test that made an additional $40,000 a month for one of my clients. Um, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm just going to place that one there. And, and that's the only time that's ever <laughs> happened out of like two dozen button color tests I've done, because it's like, maybe that'll happen again. Um, there was one I did where, and, and this is, you're really not going to like this one. The client was like, let's auto play the video on the page. I'm like, oh no. Because you know, from a UX standpoint, <laughs> it's a horrible decision. And it Ended up being a gangbusters test. I'm thinking, you know, putting it together, like, we'll let the users decide. And they did. uh, And they, you know, they got what they deserved on that front. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, There have definitely been ones where I've uh, taken a long form pitch. I think this might be interesting. Most of the time, I'll take a really long form sales pitch and pair it back to four paragraphs of text, and it will pair and it will fare better on the test. I think people, you have to be very, very good at long form pitches in order to do them well and not everybody can say that. I don't even think I'm that good at it. My, my own drafts marketing pages hover around about a thousand words. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll end up pairing it back. Uh, pairing back navigation a lot of the time. People tend to overthink their navigation because they love talking about themselves a lot. Um, pairing back the number of elements on a page. I, I err on the uh, side of simplifying a lot. With e-commerce sites adding uh like Instagram roles where you, you know, post your thing with a hashtag and it just pulls in an Instagram search for that hashtag. Um, that fares extremely well. Uh yeah, I mean I, I do a lot of typical stuff with headlines and calls to action because they tend to be low-hanging fruit and I know it well. Um but it's something that you can exhaust the possibilities of very quick, and it's also something that I'm, I'm frankly pretty bored of at this point. I've done it for over two years. Like, Can we get into something meatier where we're you know, changing the layout significantly, enclosing the checkout, doing something uh, with the way that a form behaves, that sort of thing?
0: Dot com that's business.att.com
1: so in order to do these tests um, what's your sample size like at what point is it statistically significant to decide like okay version b wins now let's let's take that and compare it with the next yeah
2: one? it depends on uh, a lot of factors the most like thoughtful and careful way to calculate a b testing is uh Ahead of time, you you have a hypothesis that a change you make on the page will cause a specific lift in conversions. So maybe it's a 10% lift in conversions. And you have your conversion rate ahead of time. So you have that, you have the amount of lift, and uh, you, have, um, you have a specific goal in mind. And you can plug those into a complicated formula. Uh, if you go to... Um, Evan Miller, I th- believe it's at evanmiller.org. He has a sample size calculator and it puts a bunch of statistics into this. I could go into harrowing detail on the math, but I think that would bore everyone. Uh, and outspits a number of how many people need to be visiting each branch of this assuming that the conversion rate stays constant. Um, that typically results in distressingly high numbers for a lot of people. Uh, you need a lot of qualified traffic to be dealing with A-B testing and uh, the lazier way to do it that is a little bit quick and dirty um, that isn't as like ultra-thoughtful about the statistics behind it is uh, 100 conversions per variant of the test. That's a number that's bandied around a lot. So if you have a control and a variant, um, then you need at least 200 signups by the end of it. If that takes longer than a month to get, though, you probably don't want to run a test because you'll be run running into some issues of uh, well for one the test will take forever and you won't be able to update the control page so logistically it's incredibly painful for you Um, but also uh, you run into problems where over a month period maybe fluctuations will occur in the market a competitor will come up something like that and things beyond your control will be impacting the test so the sweet spot you want is about one week to one month Um, both Optimizely and VWO, which are the two big A-B testing frameworks that exist, you can plug in JavaScript on your page and uh, edit things with a WYSIWYG editor, uh, and I use those for my clients. Um, they've developed something called Bayesian A-B testing, and if you've heard of the term Bayesian before, especially it applies to like spam filtering. It's basically trying to predict future behavior based on a limited amount of statistics that you have in, and you get ahead of the curve that way. Uh, both of them have rolled this out. So, you strictly speaking need less traffic. Um, I continue to be old school and believe that's a risk. Uh, in a perfect world, I would have more traffic and I'd be able to make more informed decisions. There are a lot of times where I look at the decisions that like VWO's robots are coming up with, and I'm like, that's not actually correct because you have, you know, 12 people signing up for this product, and it could have gone either way based on. What user number eleven did, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's a very short way of saying you can kind of the most thoughtful way is calculate the sample size ahead of time, have a very you know comprehensive scientific strategy. Um, most tech firms want to move fast and break things, and they rebel against that quite a bit, which is unfortunate. So when your clients are in the startup phase and they don't have the volume yet to, to run successful tests, do you take a different approach? Uh, yeah, so if, if you come in the door and apply for draft revise, uh, one of the questions I have on my application is, you know, how many hits do you get a month? Which is a rough way of me saying, you know, do you have enough traffic for this? Um, and if you don't have enough, I recommend you either find somebody who can get you more traffic, uh, either an SEO person or um, somebody who's good at lead gen in some capacity Um so I'm, I might not be the guy at that point. A/B testing might not be a good fit. Uh, I have a smaller offering called Revise Express that I've backed out of Draft Revise, which does a huge tear down of your conversion funnel and gives you a strategy for running tests in the future should you want it. Uh, and I point a lot of people to that. I uh, so there, you know, you can still work with me. And if you want to become a Draft Revise client in the future, which has happened quite a bit. Um, where you grow sufficiently and now we can, you know, de- deem this a good fit. Um, I cut that fee off of your first 3 months of draft revise. and um you know, we already have the beginning of the project together so we can start testing, run, you know, hit the ground running that sort of thing. So what's next up for you after you know, you mentioned that you were getting kind of burnt out on some of the the work you've been doing for a couple of years. What are you planning on doing next? Yeah, yeah. I'm I don't know if a burnout is quite the word I'd use. I would say it's more, um, I've, I've like, kind of tilled that field for a while and I'm not as excited about it anymore. And once it's not exciting anymore, you have to think about what the next thing is. So uh, one of the great things that Draft Revise has done for me is allowed my business to thrive and uh, I don't have to worry about you know, where my next paycheck is coming from. So once that issue is solved, uh, which is a very large issue and it's always on you know, on my head in some capacity, you wonder about what to do next and you have a different set of problems in front of you and you try and figure out how to optimize your own work to um, best reflect what you're excited about. Uh, I've always been an interaction designer. I love doing it. Um, I want to do it for the foreseeable future. I don't foresee myself getting unexcited about it. I launched an offering about uh, four or five months ago called Draft Foundation, where I redesign your SaaS application. Uh, It has to be an existing application. I have to go through and rework it um, around one specific goal. So it's either uh, better onboarding or responsive, or I just clean up all of your UX debt. And uh, I have one paying client for that right now. It's a significant project. Uh, It's going to last until the end of January and I love it. It's I've, I've launched this. I'm going to be bringing out a couple more offerings based on it where I do like just the research activity or I redesign just the dashboard of your SaaS application. And uh, that will help me move more towards interaction design as a practice again, because I had that and then I put out AB testing and it attracted like all of the marketers and CRO people. And I'm very grateful for that. But I feel at this point, like I kind of have two audiences And that's, for any of the, you know, other independent workers out there, you know that that can be kind of dangerous where you have, you have to have two different messages, you have to have two different product ladders, and it's just more. It's more to be dealing with. Um, So the ultimate goal with that is to frame draft revise more around vetting design decisions. I'm past that point uh, right now, so...
0: So when you um, when you were switching over to product uh, to productizing your business, when did you know it was the right time to switch uh, from kind of doing product to productizing? And is it possible just to go to a productized offering?
2: Um, I'll answer the first question first. I had been taking one-off projects all the way up until February of this year. And uh, they weren't common after Draft Revise came out because that was taking up so much of my time. Uh, but I feel that, um, you know, if somebody comes in the door with a giant, thorny problem to solve and it requires a bespoke sales model, then I'm not against it. Um, I'm grateful that they thought of me and uh, really happy that I have the opportunity to work for them in such a big way. Uh, this particular project was. Um, it was a little bit stressful with them. It A lot of the stress was avoidable, and what that project did for me was kind of threw into relief that a lot of the things that I do, even in these one-off projects, is repeatable. Uh, at the same time, my friend Philip Morgan came out with a book called uh, The Positioning Manual, and in it, he wrote a lot about how you should do as much to target an extremely focused niche and an extremely focused problem as humanly possible because that's how you will get kindred spirits coming in that really resonate with you from a business standpoint. And, and that really resonated with me. So I thought, okay, well that's a good fit for productized consulting service. And I came out with Draft Foundation shortly after. And it took a week and a half for me to find this customer because uh, he was sitting on my mailing list and it it was literally... A week and a half, and a one-hour Skype call, and I sold in thirty thousand dollars of work, and I didn't have to write a proposal. Wow! And yeah, so that's pretty powerful, right? It's yeah. And uh, so now that I'm I've done that, and I've worked out a lot of the kinks with this guy, um, with this particular client, I'm thinking about okay, well, how can I pull out the smaller offerings? Because I did that with Revise Express, and. Uh, it worked really well. It's been sold out to varying degrees uh, over the past two years. So um, that was the first question. The second question is, do you come out the gate with a productized service? And I think within that is, like, do I quit my job and launch a productized service as a freelancer? And I say no to that uh, because... You don't really know what you're good at as a freelancer and as an independent until you've gone ahead and gone through the pain of going through some one-off projects. You also don't have a sense of how to solve these expensive problems for people or even what problems to solve in the first place. So I personally recommend take some time, listen to what pains people are feeling, and figure out how to create a service later. Um, you should always be thinking about it. It's, it's not something that comes easily. But I don't think that Draft revise would have the exact same configuration that it did if I hadn't spent two years on one-off projects, uh, figuring out what the process looked like, figuring out what kinds of clients I wanted, and uh, figuring out how to deliver value to them.
0: Yeah, So, and then taking that one step further, do you ever make this a, like a self-serving SaaS business?
2: Uh, where you just sign up with a button for draft revise, and i I feel like I could um, I could probably hire like a fleet of of copywriters and marketing folks and just say you can do a b tests for a living um, If anyone wants to steal that idea for a business, you can go out and do that right now because uh you know Lord knows I would have done it two years ago right like <laughs> um but i i don 't And this goes back to just being an independent bootstrapper and being able to call the shots. I don't really want that for myself. I don't really want to run that kind of business. Mm. I've thought about it a lot, and I've I've taken it very seriously. I get that question so frequently. Um, But, you know, I see other people doing riffs on it, um, and I'm really happy for that. You could also just sign up for a VWO account and make it yourself. Um, They try and give you a lot of ideas and, and brainstorming some stuff. And if you want to make a change to the homepage, there's nothing stopping you from just going and running a test first and seeing what that looks like. Right. Uh, people hire me in particular because uh, that is sometimes painful. Uh, running an A-B testing framework is another thing to think about. Uh, but also, over the past two years I've just kind of developed a higher hit rate than par usually only about twenty percent of a B tests succeed uh, mine is somewhere around twenty eight to thirty uh, so you're beating the curve a little bit by hiring me and if that's worth the you know monthly fee of draft revised to you which it often is for many of my clients then uh, then it becomes a no-brainer you just hire the expert
0: okay yeah no that makes sense um, cool so I, I guess um, where can we kind of keep up with you and and what you're doing with draft revise? Um even even by the book that you wrote um yeah, several yeah. years ago. Where where do we find that uh material?
2: Yeah, so you can take a look at draft site at draft.nu uh and uh post all of my offerings there there's a mailing list at the bottom uh, of that page which you can sign up for uh, and I write a letter to people every week it's been pretty successful uh, and it runs the, to- uh, the gamut of topics if you want to take a look at cadence and slang which is the book I wrote about interaction design a few years ago I revised it in 2013 and uh, it still sells at a pretty decent clip you can go to cadence.cc and uh, yeah thank you guys so much for having me on absolutely it's our pleasure Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship
1: Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, Rocketship.fm.
0: And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. We're twice monthly. We send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's Rocketship.fm. Sign up today.
2: Shine bright in the morning light